0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 6, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The newly unveiled Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement will create a large trading block across the Pacific Ocean, but there's at least one notable country not included, China. Dan Eikenson, director of the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, comments.
1: The Trans-Pacific Partnership is a trade agreement between 12 countries on four continents, Those countries comprise about one-third of global trade flows and about 40 percent of global GDP.
0: And yet uh, the United States is involved. Some other Asian countries are involved. But China is not. China is not.
1: Uh, In fact, at the outset of the expression of U.S. interest in this enterprise, uh, the TPP was sort of the economic centerpiece of the U.S. pivot to Asia. And it was pitched within the administration uh, as – an undertaking to show that we're back uh, despite 10 years of of misadventure in the Middle East and a lack of attention on other issues. We're back and we're here to sort of check China's rise. And I always thought that that was a a pretty bad way to characterize this. There's no need to be um, provocative like that. And ultimately, we want China to be in this agreement. It will be much more economically meaningful. And ultimately, I think we will get China in this deal. Um, It might not be called the TPP. It might be called a free trade area of the Asia-Pacific, and that might happen in a few years. There are several countries that want to
0: join the TPP right away. So China could be added at any time, or these other countries could be added later.
1: Yeah, they could be added later. Uh, China is probably a few years away at least. Um, There are a lot of laws and regulations that will need to be sort of revamped to um, bring up standards, regulatory standards and – environmental laws and labor laws and things like that, Uh, Korea will probably dock first, join it first, um, then maybe um, the Philippines and
0: Thailand, Indonesia, Taiwan. How does this get us to freer, more unfettered trade around the world? Yeah, that's that's
1: a good question because we've always been a bit skeptical of these trade agreements. They are not – free trade, their they're managed trade. It is, to a certain extent, corporate welfare if you think it, in terms of who, what is the driving force behind them. It's business telling US policymakers to open these markets and keep ours closed. Uh, but in the process of negotiating, we, we do open ours and so consumers and and uh, taxpayers and import using companies uh, will, will benefit. The reason TPP has been important is because from the Second World War until 1994, we had eight rounds of successful, massive trade liberalization around the world. Uh, the last round was the Uruguay Round, concluded in 1994, it created the World Trade Organization. And there's the one large multilateral trade negotiating round launched under the auspices of the WTO, was the Doha Round, it was launched in 2001, it hasn't come to fruition. So that avenue for trade liberalization has basically died. It's really close to impossible to negotiate with 160 countries to reduce these trade barriers. So the TPP sort of uh, emerged as a substitute, as an alternative. Let's get countries that are more likely to be able to uh, come to an agreement more quickly, develop some best practices, and see whether or not uh, these best practices can
0: be adopted ultimately by the WTO. In terms of the nuts and bolts of it for uh, import using businesses domestic American consumers, U.S. exporters. What's the upside?
1: Well, right now there are lots of barriers that are still in place. There are still tariffs. There are um, rules that make it more difficult for foreign companies to set up shop in in Malaysia, for example. Uh, There are protections of government procurement spending and government procurement in many countries is allocated for domestic uh, companies only. So this will enable businesses to produce uh, um, to, to greater economies of scale, reduce unit costs, pass on better prices to consumers around the world. Um, you know, barriers, <laughs> you know, impede with uh, these transactions and they raise the cost of them. So if we have agreements that reduce those barriers, it stands to reason that we will benefit. And I mean, you see a lot of Economic analysis that attach numbers to to these uh, these agreements. This will create you know 200 billion dollars of extra GDP per year. I, I just don't attach a whole lot of uh, uh, credence to those numbers. They're they're ballpark estimates, and it depends on on, on the the actual numbers. Um, but this is a
0: step toward economic liberalization. And even if it doesn't contribute to GDP per se, lowering prices. Uh, is, a, is a useful thing that may not contribute to GDP. That, that, that's right. You know,
1: there's a dimension here. There's, there's sort of a geopolitical dimension uh, which, which we touched upon with China. And I think ultimately passage of the TPP through, through Congress is going to require um, repetition of the fact that this agreement excludes China. That sells. Uh, Americans generally embrace trade. But when you talk about trade with China, they're very skeptical, as is Congress. So I think the president is going to have to, to tout that, uh, that it doesn't include China. Um, but ultimately, China should should be involved in this, this deal to, for us to really to reap, reap the benefits. Meanwhile, we're also negotiating with the Europeans the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, which is also a sort of a 21st century high standards agreement – and when that's concluded, if it's concluded, that's, that's a longer shot I think than the TPP. Um, we will have um, a lot of uh, infrastructure in place, There's a lot of trade architecture that's going to need to be synthesized and that's going to be a, a pretty rigorous undertaking. But you believe in the rule of law. We need the rule of law in international trade and that's what this is trying to accomplish.
0: Are there countries that would like to be a part of this agreement that because their institutions aren't strong enough, that they actually can't build the infrastructure necessary to live up to the standards that this agreement demands.
1: Yes, I think that is the case. Um, That said, I don't think the standards in the Trans-Pacific Partnership— And
0: we're talking about environmental standards. We're talking about uh, labor standards, that sort of thing. Yeah, product safety, um,
1: sanitary standards and things like that. Um, I think— Many countries just assumed that they would not qualify uh, at the outset of the TPP. There was a lot of very high-minded rhetoric about th- these 21st-century standards. I'm not sure that the TPP accomplished that that level of of, of high standard. It, it might be, you know, approaching it, but not as rigorous. But we'll find out in, in the in the coming days. Um, but what TPP has done, it has put governments on notice, saying, "Hey, if we if we want to be part of this architecture," If we want to be able to compete effectively to attract investment, um, we need to, you know, upgrade our environment—not not the environment in the green sense, but our our policy environment, our regulatory environment. So we've seen reforms undertaken already in India and China and Indonesia and the Philippines, it, sort of in preparation for their uh, bid to join the TPP. And what that really amounts to is unilateral trade liberalization. These are. Countries doing what's in their best interest, uh, and that that's almost good enough. They're they're improving their standards right now. Eventually, they would get into to an agreement and avail themselves of the benefits of access to markets and access to supply chains and things like that. But uh, I, I think this is setting a setting a good example, uh, and it's motivating
0: governments to take the future into consideration. Dan Eikenson is director of the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Read more on free trade versus managed trade at our website, cato.org.